Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Merry Christmas. Now, I hope you will really focus in on what I'm about to discuss. Wire fraud. Money laundering. Defrauding investors. Fraudulent record keeping. Sam Bankman Freed. Hmm. FTX. Billions and billions of dollars. Missing. Wire fraud, money laundering, defrauding investors, fraudulent record keeping. Does that not sound like the federal government to you? 85% of the COVID money didn't go where it was supposed to go. It went to the teachers unions instead. The GAO, the General Accountability Office, is constantly releasing reports every single year about the amount of money, typically a quarter of a trillion dollars that is gone waste, fraud, and abuse every year. How about unfunded liabilities? Are those not Ponzi schemes? Those of us who've paid a fortune into Social Security, I'm 65 now, and those of you who are paying into it and are much younger, do you understand now they turned what was an insurance program into a government Ponzi scheme? There's no money in the trust fund. All the money comes from general operating funds. The people paying into Social Security now are paying the people who paid into it before because they stole all of our money and spent it on their political priorities. There are no trust funds. There are IOUs. Is that not a Ponzi scheme? It wasn't intended to be a Ponzi scheme. But is that not what our Congresses have done, successive Congress after Congress? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The question is when, is when will it, in fact, catch up with everybody? It's like, um, what's that kid, that game you play, uh, birthday parties and Christmas, it's the chair game, you know, uh, the musical chairs, where they play the music, that's what it's called, I guess. Musical chairs, yes. Well, that's what we're talking about. Which generation will get hit without the chair and fall on its ass? So it's always interesting to me. Sam Bankman Freed is a crook. What he did wrong is he didn't run for office become a senator or congressman and do exactly the same thing except with our money 
as a nation, our tax dollars, and wrap it up in all kinds of wonderful promises. It's okay to run a Ponzi scheme. It's okay to defraud the taxpayer. It's okay to launder tax monies from one program to the next. It's okay to defraud using mail, using telephones, in terms of spending public monies. It's okay. And of course, we don't expect proper record keeping from any department of the federal government. It's just too big. But as long as you're doing it on behalf of the government, as long as you're serving the interests of the government, which are identical to the interests of the Democrat Party in these various Marxist movements, it's righteous. So there's righteous fraud and there's righteous Ponzi schemes. I'm sorry, it's just true. And so when I watch these tough prosecutors get behind a microphone and up, and they have these, you know, these, these sort of wing collars with heavy starch, with the power ties and the, and the nice crisp suits or dresses in the case of, well, whatever. Wagging their finger, saying this cannot take place, this will not take place, I think to myself. Sure it is. Because that's the nature of government. Fraud, laundering, fake record keeping, and on and on and on and on. And of course, Ponzi schemes. There was a... uh, Economics professor, I think, from Boston University or Boston College, who's given testimony in the past, and I cite him in, in one of my books, Plunder and Deceit. And he testified several years back that the real debt, the real debt of the federal government, meaning the American taxpayer, is $250 trillion. That's several years ago. What number comes after a trillion? I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. He said unfunded liabilities. Not just in Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, but other federal pension plans, federal medical plans for, for bureaucrats. And he went on and on about all these unfunded liabilities. And he said, and that's where the government puts it, takes it off the books. So when we talk about $31 trillion, we're talking about the fiscal debt. The fiscal debt, not unfunded liabilities. Now, when a corporation is audited, they look at their unfunded liabilities, pension requirements down the road and so forth. When they file information with the Securities and Exchange Commission, they look at the same thing for public companies to see if they're in good shape or not. If you have a pension plan that's totally out of whack and you're going to go broke one day because, well, you don't print money in the basement, you could be prosecuted. But if you do it for the government, you do it so you can get reelected or elected. So there are preferred Ponzi schemes. And criminal Ponzi schemes built on exactly the same concept. Except the bigger the Ponzi scheme and the more taxpayer money you use and wrap it up in a government program for this group or that group, 
you're celebrated. I want you to think about this. The way government works is the mob is in charge. The bureaucrats are in charge. The politicians are in charge. In the private sector, you have what's called a fiduciary responsibility. You have what's called basic accounting rules, standards and procedures. In the government, you have all those things too, but if you violate them, it's no big deal, depending on how and why you violate them. In the government, what matters is the mob. How do you buy votes? How do you sell votes? They're not so much concerned about your accounting system. They're not concerned about whether you're going to be flush with money or no money or how much debt's on the books or whatever. In fact, they come up with their own they come up with their own economic models. Cockamamie, but nonetheless. Modern monetary policy. Oh, it must be good. It's modern. You know what modern monetary policy is, Mr. Producer? Since the government is in charge of the currency, it doesn't matter how much paper you print. That's what Bernie Sanders argues for and other radical leftists. It doesn't matter. Because you don't have to actually pay back the government. All the government has to do is print money. Now, you have to be an ignoramus, of course, to take that position, because anybody who's graduated from fifth grade economics knows what happens when you do that. You're experiencing it right now. If you know a little bit of history, like the Weimar Republic, in other countries throughout history, even recent history, look at Venezuela, some of the others. You can't print your way into prosperity. It's irrational. There are certain rules of economics that are as ironclad of rules of, of physics or whatever. But that's what the Democrat Party is built on. So I watched this guy, this Sam Bankman Freed. He's a punk. He's a fraud. He has ripped off billions and billions from the American or whomever people, the public. But the biggest fraud of them all, the biggest Ponzi schemes of them all. The biggest laundering operation of them all. The biggest record-keeping farce of them all is Washington, D.C. Is the federal government. And who's going to prosecute them? Nobody. And it's not just the Democrats. It's Mitch McConnell and his mighty band of Republicans. One omnibus bill after another. One debt ceiling increase after another. One massive emergency spending bill after another. I want to remind you, those 19 Republicans led by McConnell who voted for infrastructure bill. Right, right, infrastructure. Which means anything the Democrats wanted to mean. 
And this isn't a mistake. It's not because they're bamboozled. McConnell's been around a long time. It's because this is what he wants to do. Then he trashes Trump today, trashes conservatives, trashes the Tea Party. It's really quite appalling. I'll be right back. Mark in. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Have a very Merry Christmas. Let me, let me explain the difference between somebody who's a statesman, who puts principle before votes, and eventually the votes will come. That's not McConnell. McConnell puts the votes before principle, and often the votes don't come. When Ronald Reagan decided to run in the Republican primary for president, I'm not talking about 1968, I'm talking about 1976. Was he a poor candidate? He's running against a sitting president who had not been elected but had been selected. He was said to be an extremist. They used to attack him for his intelligence. He was an extraordinarily intelligent man and very well read, but it didn't matter. They mocked him as an actor. They claimed he was out of the Republican mainstream. Mitch McConnell was on that side with Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford would go on to lose to Jimmy Carter. Reagan decided to run again. And among others, he faced George H.W. Bush, Bob Dole, John Anderson, the Republican establishment. Again, we were told Reagan couldn't win. Reagan couldn't win. The people were afraid of him. He was not a high-quality candidate. And again, McConnell was on the wrong side. Karl Rove was on the wrong side. All these people you're familiar with were on the wrong side. Well, Reagan almost won in 76, and he did win in 80. And then he went on to win a massive landslide in terms of the popular vote and the electoral college vote. 
and he won a second massive landslide in 1984 for re-election in the popular vote and the Electoral College vote. If Reagan hadn't won, the Soviet Union wouldn't have been destroyed. If Reagan hadn't won, there wouldn't have been tax cuts, which had the greatest economic growth in American history for a decade. The military would not have been built up. And I can go on and on about the great Reagan successes. None of them would have happened if the Republican establishment, Mitch McConnell, Karl Rove, and the others had had their way. And Reagan set the stage for Republican victory after Republican victory. But right away, when George W. Bush won his election on on Reagan's coattails, they went back to who they are. Big spending, unimportant largely issues, inarticulate, and then Bill Clinton wins, coming out of nowhere, a nobody. A nobody. We can go down the list. I think of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln got the nomination with a minority of support. It's a very difficult convention in 1860. But he pulled it off. I won't get into details. Maybe one day I will. But he barely got there. He was attacked. Just like Reagan was attacked. Just like Trump was attacked. Because they're independent thinkers. They said he didn't have what it takes. He was told to sue for peace. Meet the Confederacy halfway. Too much death. Too much mayhem. It wasn't worth it. It takes a statesman who believes in principles. If Mitch McConnell were in the Senate, prior to the Civil War. Senator from Kentucky. Would he have supported the Missouri Compromise? He says, meet them at the 40-yard line. Is there nothing worth putting everything on the line to win, to be victorious? We're an economic disaster with this debt. Or an immigration disaster with the open border. What goes on in our classrooms is a national disgrace, if not worse. Our military is being undermined with wokeism. Crime is going through the roof. The country's in decline. And this is the best we can do? Is that what Lincoln would say? Is that what Reagan would say? No, I don't think so. Now you know who Mitch McConnell is versus people who believe principle, persuasion. The votes will follow. You can't just buy votes. A lot of advertising. I'll be right back. 
Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. This is Mark Levin wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Now back to the best of me. Joe Biden was patting himself on the back, like he always does, but this time he meant to, um, for the fantastic economy that we have. And yet, he has to be aware, as we all are, of this, Fox Business. Nearly 70% of Americans are struggling to pay grocery bills. Nearly 70% of Americans. Well, if you take food off the table and heat off the table and travel off the table and housing off the table, everything's going swimmingly. I mean, after all, they had a state dinner the other day and they were all eating lobster. Let them eat lobster. Assume they had cake, let them eat cake. More than two-thirds of Americans are having a hard time affording groceries as food costs continue to soar, according to new data. Retail technology platform Swiftly reported today that 69% of shoppers say they are struggling to pay their grocery bills after months of persistently sky-high inflation. And 83% currently rely on some form of coupons or loyalty program to put food on the table according to the true cost of a grocery shop survey. Now, I want you to think about this. This is the United States of America. 69% of food shoppers say they're struggling to pay their grocery bills. 83% currently rely on some form of coupons or loyalty program. That's our fellow Americans. Maybe many of you. And Biden is doing a victory dance. And the media don't care because they're very wealthy. They don't hang out with people like you. They hang out with each other. A man shops for groceries on November 4, 2022 in Anchorage, Alaska. And they show a picture of this guy struggling to pay his grocery bills. Now, the study also pointed to shifts in consumer behavior. Some 74% of those surveyed said they changed their grocery shopping habits in the last year. 33% said they're now shopping in store more than in years past. The average cost of everyday essentials is elevated across the board this year. But the cost of groceries is even higher. In other words, the cost of eating. 
The Labor Department's latest consumer price index, which tracks the prices of a bevy of goods, including gasoline, grocery, and rent, shows prices rose an average of 7.7% on an annual basis in October, hovering near a four-decade high. But the cost of food at home soared 12.4% over the same month a year ago. Shouldn't that be the headline? What are you going to do without food? And parents need to feed their children. And most seniors are on fixed income. The cost of food soared 12.4%. 12.4%. The newest data we have. Some staple items rose by eye-popping amounts, with coffee up 14.8%, cereal up by 16.9%, eggs are up by a staggering 43%. That's Putin's fault, no doubt about that. And the 16.9%, that's Trump's fault, and the 14.8%, that's semi-fascist MAGA, that's their fault. Swiftly's analysis determined food costs are becoming too expensive for the average American and are only increasing due to record inflation and ongoing economic challenges. Simply put, they said food costs are too high. But the disconnect between Washington, D.C. and America's newsrooms and the American people is so broad, is so big that they don't even lead with that tonight. They lead with inflation seems to be coming down just a little bit. It's this remarkable 7.1, 7.7%. Excuse me. A year ago, it was like 2.3%. And then Biden says his plan is working. What plan? His spending, his debt, printing money. It's working. It's working. But food prices are through the It's working. Just be patient. Be patient. Be patient. You've been on the government dole your whole damn life. We've been paying for your food your entire career. You and your whole stupid family. You jerk. And I say that with all due respect, of which there's none. Of which there's none. So think about that. Now, think about this. How many news organizations do you know that have gone into grocery stores or supermarkets and done stories on people who are trying to afford to purchase groceries? Basic foods. I haven't seen any. Have you, Mr. Producer? I remember during the Reagan years, they were there all the time. It's as if they were uh, part of the union shop. But today they don't dare. How about food kitchens? Do you see many of those, Mr. Producer? It's like they don't exist, right? How about food pantries that hand out canned food? You see those on TV? You don't see those. No food pantries? It's as if it's not happening. Because the media are corrupt. It's the American Pravda media. Never forget that. They're doing public relations for the Democrat Party and the iron fist of the state. That's all. This would be 
a massive issue under a Republican president. It would be day in and day out, night and day, 24-7, 365. They'd be banging away, pounding away. And they'd find a way to say it's racist, too, by the way. They'd find a way to say it hits minority neighborhoods worse, which it probably does, by the way. But that's what they would say. The Republican is racist. That they don't care about the little guy. They'd be exploiting this to the hill. While they're eating lobster at the state dinner with uh, Biden, of course. I think Joe Scarborough the other day said, I don't watch him get these clips. Nobody watches him. First of all, he has a face for radio. Uh, Me, of course, have a face for TV and a voice for radio. But then again, why should I brag? But he's got nothing. That said, except that bulbous nose of his, Mr. Producer. Have you noticed that, by the way? May I say that? I say what everybody thinks. He's got that W.C. Fields thing going. Very attractive. But anyway, so uh, if a Republican were president, the cameras would be everywhere. They'd be in every food store. You'd be seeing the whole thing. They'd be going to farmers and doing reports on how farmers are having difficulty, how truckers are having difficulty. They'd be up in New England or rural parts of New York and Pennsylvania on the cost of home heating oil and about how they have to ration it. You'd be hearing the whole thing. (coughs) They'd be down on the border about how, you know, Donald Trump is caging people. (laughs) And, of course, now we have millions coming into the country illegally And Joe Biden says he's too busy to even go down there. What do I need to see? I built my own wall. I know what a wall looks like. I put it around my home in Rehoboth. Wow. But they're the media. And just remember this, what Elon Musk has done. When we talk about the media, he's exposed them 100%. Two men, Trump and Elon Musk. And what Elon Musk has done is he shows you how they work behind the scenes. This is why they hate him. That's why they're not even reporting on it. What's going on or went on with old Twitter is going on today at the New York Times and the Washington Post. It's going on today at the CNN and MSNBC. It's going on today at NBC, ABC, and CBS. This is what they do. It's going on today with 60 Minutes. We'll meet the depressed. It's the same type of mindset It is one ideology. It is an ideology of the left. They use censorship. They use partisanship. They have phony rules. They character assassinate. They target people like Alinsky. That's what they do. And you see it all. It all is laid out there. It's all laid out there in this Twitter stuff. That's why it's so important. People say, well, I didn't learn anything new. Well, then you're stupid. But that's how they cover it up. That's why they're never going to do a story on food shortages. People can't affording food, afford food, or at least not on a regular basis. People suffering because they're too cold. They can't afford the price of heating oil. The rationing of heating oil, all that stuff. You haven't seen any reports on this, and yet it's going on. You haven't seen any newsreels on this from any cable show, as far as I know. Any news show. 
we'll get a story here and there. Usually it's from like a business uh, column or business paper or business magazine or business report like Fox Business. That's it. And yet it's more than business. It's cultural, right? It's what's taking place out there. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Have a very Merry Christmas. Mr. Producer, do we have a caller, an irregular caller, or do we only have regular callers? Only regular? Let's speak to one, shall we? Yeah. 8.70 a.m., the answer. I assume, Michael, you have a question. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm well, sir. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do for, uh, for the conservative side out there. But uh, just wanted to say how um, eloquently you put it when you were talking about Elon Musk. And basically what you did is, and what he did was lay out the battle plan that all the other outlets are using to um, attack conservatives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, it's, it's not it's not limited to Twitter. It's happening at Facebook and Google and Instagram, YouTube. It's happening at all the media outlets. These are the same people. They're fungible. They move from one entity to another. And if you read these tweets, one of them said that they're 99 percent left. Ninety nine percent. That doesn't leave a lot of room for people, does it? Not at all. Not at all. And and just one other thing, if you have just real quick, isn't it interesting how um, when Bankman Freed gets arrested today, right before he's supposedly going to testify, that mm-hmm. Jennifer Granholm comes out with a great energy, great energy breakthrough. And you know, if it was so great, why didn't the scientists at Lawrence Livermore? Why wasn't the conference there where people could really answer the questions on that breakthrough? It's just. Mm-hmm. Kind of and a, this is something that the scientists have been working on for half a century or more, uh, there and elsewhere. And so Joe Biden will find a way to take credit for it. It's his policies, don't you know? His policies. And which one? Uh, we don't answer that. You can go to the uh, Department of Energy to them. They'll, they'll answer the question. And so this guy takes uh, victory laps over and over and over again. We have people hungry in this country who can't afford groceries. We have people this winter who are not going to have the heating oil that they need or the electricity. And if they do, it's going to be a price that is unbelievable, unparalleled. We have shortages in this country. Anybody who walks into a food store can see that the shelves are not full. They're not full. 
And I could go on and on. You can get truckers calling this program telling you about the price of diesel, the price of home heating oil, uh, brownouts and blackouts that you you saw this summer. It's only going to get worse. And I can, uh, you know, uh, the fact of the matter is apparently half the country buys off on this stuff. They think it's perfectly fine. I want to thank you for your call. Very, very fine call, my friend. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Merry Christmas. My goodness, look at this, Mr. Producer. Look at this, America. Exclusive from Yahoo News. Yahoo! An intel analyst tried to prevent the January 6th attack, but DHS failed to act. You see, this is the sort of stuff that should have been investigated rather than trying to set up the former president for charges. On December 20, 2020, a 21-year-old intelligence analyst went online to search for local Washington, D.C. fishing holes and stumbled upon the blueprint of a plot to storm the Capitol and execute members of Congress and law enforcement officers to prevent the certification of electoral votes to make Joe Biden the next president. I'm just reading the story as is. The domestic terrorism analyst with the Department of Homeland Security saw a link to a website where people, quote, actively at that moment were discussing the commission of acts of terroristic violence and the violent overthrow of the government of the United States, according to the analyst's written account later provided to investigators. There, the analyst, quote, witnessed upwards of 500 pages worth of potential threats to national security, including people urging others and discussing how to smuggle legal weapons into the nation's capital and avoid detection by law enforcement. You know, it's interesting about this beyond what I'm reading, which is all very intriguing. This demonstrates that Donald Trump didn't organize anything. Anything. Because there's no link. There's nothing. Nothing. And if there was, this January 6th committee would have produced it already. It would have been leaked to the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes. There's nothing. So you got to create all this sort of circumstantial innuendo. So as I read this, keep that in mind. Here this guy comes across a treasure trove of information. But nothing. Now that doesn't mean somebody doesn't, wow, Donald Trump said this time. That's irrelevant. Donald Trump didn't give any orders. He didn't speak in code. There's no written winking going on here. So there the analyst witnessed upwards of, and I'm quoting, 500 pages worth of potential threats to national security. 
including people urging others and discussing how to smuggle illegal weapons into the nation's capital and avoid detection by law enforcement. The DHS intelligence analyst also saw, quote, discussion references of overthrowing the U.S. government by force. I wonder if that was Black Lives Matter or Antifa, but well was me. Sparking a second civil war and veiled credible threats of violence toward other U.S. persons were perceived enemies, specifically members of Congress and other federal employees. Like so many Americans, I watched the events of January 6, 2021 transpire, shocked, scared, horrified. But for me, there was a deeper connection to the event. I was one of the DHS intelligence officials charged with trying to prevent that day's violence, the intelligence analyst wrote in a four-page letter provided to Inspector General Investigators. Yahoo News obtained a copy of this letter and the unredacted version of the final Inspector General Investigative Report. They didn't obtain anything. It was leaked. Documenting the analyst's efforts and dozens of credible threats that DHS saw, but did not act on at the time. So that's DHS and the FBI. What good are they? What started as a literal fishing expedition turned into a failed 16-day effort. They write, to sound the alarm and push the various parts of the DHS intelligence apparatus into action. The office created in the wake of 9-11 to share intel more broadly and prevent another catastrophic attack failed to share its intelligence ahead of the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot. Now, you know what's interesting about this, of course? Not only, well, let me put it to you this way. It was Donald Trump who suggested that up to 20,000 National Guardsmen be made available to Nancy Pelosi, to Mitch McConnell, to the mayor of Washington, D.C., and they rejected it. You know, McConnell's role in this has never really been explored. I'm in charge of Over those 16 days, this analyst and others inside DHS's Office of Intelligence and Analysis saw the plot unfold in excruciating detail. They watched as maps of the Capitol access tunnels were circulated online, along with tactical information about how to smuggle illegal weapons into D.C. and which radio frequencies to use for communication during the attack. Well, did they contact their local FBI, Mr. Producer? If the DHS wasn't listening, they saw threats to members of Congress and local D.C. and Capitol Police and operational plans for the attack. They saw online posts by people who said they had put their last will and testament in order and told their children they were going to Washington to defend the country and were willing and expecting to die for their cause. Of course, that didn't happen, except one poor lady was murdered in cold blood. Now, here's where the media kicks in. On January 6th, a mob of President Trump supporters, as well as white supremacists, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, militia, and other violent extremists stormed the Capitol in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying Biden's win in the presidential election. You know, not a fire, not a not an gun was fired. Now, I just read to you the lead up to all this. Nobody was shot except a nonviolent protester who was in the Capitol building. In cold blood, she was killed. Nobody was stabbed. Nobody was slashed. 
Nobody else was shot. Nobody. The attack left more than 100 police officers injured and is tied to at least nine deaths. It's tied to nine deaths, Mr. Producer? Including suicides. You know how many Border Patrol agents have committed suicide? Do you know it's becoming an out-of-control problem? Do you know how many police officers have committed suicide in our cities across America in this country? People in the military have committed suicide? This is the problem, this overreach, where they're trying tying these suicides. Nine deaths now. Nine deaths tied to January 6th. That's a lie. There's one death directly tied to it. One. One of the protesters. And over 800 indictments have been issued, according to a recent Senate report. Yahoo News obtained the unredacted copy of a March 2022 DHS Officer of Inspector General report and underlying materials. Including this letter that was written by the analyst. They're withholding the name of the analyst because that's what the media do. Why? It's unclear how many or if any of the people DHS tracked but did not report were directly involved in the attack and so forth and so on. So that's damnable when it comes to DHS. As the evidence piles up, the DHS, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the leadership of the Capitol Police, the leadership of the Metropolitan Police, the political leadership, Pelosi, McConnell, the mayor of Washington, failed. If people saw this coming, they failed. Christopher Ray failed. And it was Trump. This is what will never make sense. It was Trump who offered the National Guard. How do you lead an insurrection? And then suggest that you'll call in the military, armed military, to protect the people in the building. It is never brought up. Never brought up. And those eyewitness accounts are in the record. They're in the record at the Department of Defense and elsewhere. So the question is, why isn't Nancy Pelosi under investigation? Or Mitch McConnell? Or the mayor of D.C.? Why is that? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, 
you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is Mark Levin wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Now back to the best of me. Daily Mail, the ticking border time bomb. 1,000 migrants in the largest caravan in history crosses the Rio Grande into El Paso with huge numbers being released onto the streets just nine days until Title 42 ends. Possibly the largest single caravan so far to cross in the United States from Mexico. People from Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua. By the way, those are all communist regimes. Because they're so fantastic. How about we trade a thousand of these migrants for one Bernie Sanders? Would you agree with that, Mr. Dude? I would. Comes just nine days before a federal judge appointed by Clinton... Emmett Sullivan, real head case, decided at the urging of the ACLU that the continuation of Title 42 was illegal. Emmett Sullivan, I'm sure, lives in a very comfortable home, been on the government dole most of his life, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., perhaps, perhaps in D.C. Emmett Sullivan would never move down to McAllen, Texas, or El Paso, Texas, where he can enjoy the the fruits of his rulings. And so the Democrat Party, whether they are represented on the bench, in the Oval Office, in Congress, they do not believe in replacement theory. No, 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 no. When Chuck Schumer specifically said that we're not having enough births here in America, so we need to replace the workforce with immigrants, he didn't mean replace. He meant replace. Yes. They have great respect. And so that's why in many of our cities in Boston, New York, L.A., some of the others, they want 16-year-olds to vote. They want people to vote without, without voter IDs. Because if you don't allow 16-year-olds to vote, obviously you're against puberty, Mr. Producer. And if you don't allow people to vote without identification, well, clearly then you're a racist. I can't think of a single example where an individual can't get a voter ID, an ID card. Can you, Mr. Medusa? Not one. I can't think of any. If you're going to have a driver's license, and even people who can't drive... Maybe they're too old. Maybe they just don't want to drive. Whatever the situation is, well, maybe they can't see. They still need an identification in the state. People who get some form of welfare benefits, people who get Social Security or Medicare, Medicaid, all these programs are based on the assumption that you have to identify yourself. So why shouldn't it apply to voting? We know why. Because the Democrat Party is corrupt. They want people to vote twice. 
They want illegal aliens to vote. They want prebubescent 12-year-olds to vote. They have no problem with this. Because voting is the issue for them. Not representative government. The bigger the mob, the better the mob. That's all. And then overwhelm the system. Gee, I wonder who wrote about that. Cloward and Pivens. Overwhelm it. And then bring your cases to Democrat judges or even some rhino judges. You don't have evidence of fraud. How are you supposed to get evidence of fraud when fraud has been legalized? We have the cleanest elections in history with the least amount of oversight. Isn't that amazing? How's that possible? Well, clearly it's not. But Bill Barr said there wasn't any evidence of anything. Well, he would know. Actually, he wouldn't, for reasons I've explained so many times before. Don't you sometimes wonder how they get a Merrick Garland and an Eric Holder? And we get a Bill Barr? It's nothing personal with me. I'm just making an observation. Biden doesn't even have to tell Merrick Garland what the politics are. Merrick Garland knows. He knows what to do. His deputy attorney general knows what to do. The assistant attorneys general, the associate attorney general, the U.S. attorneys, they all know what to do. And they do it. But not us, you know. Not us. Biden's EPA prepares to crack down on home appliances. You know, those damn home appliances are really out of control, Mr. Producer, don't you think? The way they assault people and all the sort of things they're doing. They're going to crack down on home appliances. Crack down on home appliances. The EPA uh, proposed new rules on Friday that would restrict the use of refrigerators, air conditioning equipment, and heat pumps that utilize hydrofluorocarbons. They've been after these hydrofluorocarbons endlessly. And I can't tell you how many times the industry has remade these machines and applied different chemicals, and the prices are going up and up and up and up. How do I know? Because I have an HVAC guy. He's a great guy. His name's Gary. And we've talked about this. And we knew prior to Biden assuming office that they were going to pull stuff like this. The EPA's proposed rule would crack down on the manufacturing and importing of goods containing HFCs. So in other words, your air conditioning units. Which would restrict the use of HFCs in refrigeration units, air conditioning systems, heat pump equipment, starting in 2025. You see, Biden will be, in my view, long gone. But according to an agency press release, in accordance with the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol... Oh, we all remember that. A global climate treaty that the Senate ratified in September. Did you even know they ratified that, Mr. Bidus? I was utterly unaware of this. I want to thank the media for their reportage. The agency intends to reduce the production and consumption of HFCs by 85% by 2036. And what are they going to replace it with? They have no idea. Poof. 
modern air conditioning, modern refrigeration, modern heating systems, poof, disappear. We're the only society on earth that is going backwards, regressing. We're destroying technology. We're destroying intelligence. We're destroying enterprise. It's a real throwback. We're, we're being led by Neanderthals here. I'll be right back. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Have a very Merry Christmas. I've been thinking about the beginning of the show a lot. And what is it really about McConnell that sets me off? Everything I've said, of course, but there's got to be something more. And I'll tell you what it is. In addition to what I've already said. We need leaders. We don't need mealy mouths. We don't need halfway patriots. We need smart, effective leaders who can communicate, who can persuade. Not who use the system to raise money and cherry pick what candidates they want or get in front of a microphone and mumble on or of the old school who come up with these omnibus bills, which we don't have any idea what's in them, and just keep spending our children into bankruptcy. We need leaders. And when it comes to people in Congress right now, there are damn few of them. When it comes to the U.S. Senate, In every single leadership position in the Senate, there are none. Because McConnell's made sure Thune is not a leader. Barrasso is not a leader. Cornyn is not a leader. They're not leaders. They're vote counters, they're money raisers, they're media whores, but they're not leaders. And the leaders, the potential leaders, are being smothered by this current group that calls themselves leaders. That's what's bothering me. Fundamentally, that's what's bothering me. Half the country 
maybe more, maybe less, rejects what's taking place. And we do not have representatives in the leadership position of the U.S. Senate who represent us. They despise us. Another press conference so-called by McConnell demonstrates it yet again. Trashing the Tea Party. Trashing MAGA. Trashing conservatives. Used to trash crews by, with leaks in the media. This is the problem. We don't have leaders. We don't have the kinds of statesmen that we need in real leadership positions in the United States Senate. In the United States Senate is a very powerful body. That's what's bothering us. That's what's bothering and frustrating me. And then you have... You have editorial boards and editorial pages, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or the New York Post or National Review and others, who go along with this. Who think that to be daring, to be principled, to be advocates, is to lose. Without taking into consideration the opposite. Not only how poor the opposite does at the ballot box. You don't see people rising up and motivated to elect rhinos. Or people want to meet on the 40-yard line. Or people have no agenda whatsoever and yet want to lead the Senate. None. That's what we're missing. And McConnell conducts himself like a mobster, like a mob boss. I don't mean in his personal dealings, I mean politically. The way he raises money, the way he distributes money, the way his surrogates leak on his behalf or spin on his behalf, and you don't even know they're his surrogates, but they are. McConnell never leaves his fingerprints or his DNA on anything. And we're sick of it. We despise the other side. They're trying to destroy us and our country. And yet they have leaders. They have leaders in the Senate. Who we find contemptible. But we don't. Or we do, but they're not able to actually do anything. And if they dare to speak out, they drag in the Wall Street Journal, National Review, and the others, and they start trashing these people. They don't really want to govern. You know, all the usual stuff. We're in the minority. Get 80% of what you can, and blah, blah. Excuse me. This is what I meant when I went back to the Civil War, went back to the Missouri Compromise. Is 80% of slavery okay? Is 80% of segregation okay? Is 80% of life okay? Is 80% of patriotism okay? Is 80% of the Constitution okay? Is 80% of securing the border okay? No. Is 80% of the Soviet Union okay? Sometimes we have to win and they have to lose. And 
And it seems like, I think, in the case of somebody like a McConnell, he is more driven, more motivated to destroy elements within his own party who might challenge his position than to advance the cause of the country. I think this is what I find particularly loathsome about the guy. And the failure of the press, even the conservative press, to confront him and challenge him. And the failure to notice that he resists and ducks conservative media more than Biden ducks the media, period. As I said earlier in the program, he doesn't go on Tucker. He doesn't go on Hannity. He doesn't go on Ingram. He doesn't go on my show. He's not going to. And he's not going to do it. He'd rather have an interview with the New York Times or the Washington Post or his favorite Politico or what have you. Anyway, I've done enough talking. Let's let's take some calls here. Nick, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my hometown, the great WPHT. Go right ahead, Nick. Hey, Mark, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm actually the guy that talked to you a couple weeks ago right before the election. I was the truck driver, so we couldn't get diesel. I want to thank uh, you yes, first of I all remember for, you, for, Nick. Uh, I want, yeah, I want to. I want to thank you for fighting for us. I do. Uh, I have a different topic tonight. <clears throat> um, so Elon Musk, Elon Musk. If you think about it, and I know you you've said this many times. If you think about some of the great people in American history, Thomas Edison, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Albert Einstein. I know he you know he came here, but he did all, most of his work here. Elon Musk will be regarded in two hundred years as one of those people. Because everything that he has ever done, most of it, okay, he benefits greatly financially. Nobody will, will question that. But most of what he's done, if you look at his electric cars, if you look at his SpaceX, if you look at everything he's done, buying Twitter at a loss, he has now, you know, basically what he said, freed the bird. Everything he does is to better humanity and to push humanity mm-hmm. forward. Forget where he stands on politics. He's mostly a centrist. He's mm-hmm. not one of us. Okay, I get that. But, you know, you got to give the guy credit. And yet, and, yet, and yet, to give him his credit, he's done more for those of us who believe what we believe than most of these Republicans that I've been talking about all night. Oh, of course. I mean, look what he's done here. He's exposed the inner workings of Twitter, which basically is exposing the inner workings of every major news platform in America. They're the same. They're the same. It's the same culture, the same environment, the same ideology. It's a great, great service to us, to the American people who are willing to watch and see what's taking place. Hey, by the way, uh, Philly, how about those Eagles, huh? Uh, they're doing pretty good. They're, uh, what, 12, 13, and now they're doing pretty good. But you uh, do- no, they lost one to, I guess they call themselves the Commanders. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say pretty good. <laughs> They're doing great. Mark, Sorry, America. I know we got all kinds of people rooting for all kinds of teams. I can't keep it quiet anymore. I'm coming out of the closet, Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark, for what you do for our country, for what you do, for fighting for the little guy. Uh, you give a voice to especially, you know, and one thing is when I talked to you last time, it was about 
my job and you could have just blown it off uh, with with the diesel shortage and you didn't. You actually you broadcasted it almost every night. I want to thank you for what you do for a lot of the little guys out here, the guys that work nine to five, that get dirt under their nails, that work, come home yep. exhausted, that nobody cares about. You care about them, Mark, and I would like to I would like to give you praise for that. You, well, I want to thank them. you because I grew up with them, and I know that they do the jobs that somebody like me is incapable of doing. That's what you do, Nick. By the way, I look at these eighteen wheelers. You, you're driving it. And I watch them make a turn, and I say, how the hell do they do that? I'm, I'm very interested in these things. Or they're backing up into a spot. Going, how the hell did that guy do that? Or I used to watch my house years to 20 years ago being built, and I said, that guy is up on that pole, 30 feet in there. How the hell does he do that? Because some people work more neck up some people still work neck up but they're able to use their hands too i wasn't born that way my father was my father could do anything with his hands and he did yeah he built he built a building you know he did all these things and i was always in awe i'm just i don't know what the hell it is i'm incapable of it so it's a wonder to me it's fantastic to me Nick, God bless you, my friend, and keep in touch. I appreciate it very much. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is Mark Levin wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Now back to the best of me. By the way, I want to thank you folks, and I know it's you. This Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, we were the number one primetime show on cable news, on Fox, on CNN, MSNBC. We beat the other two combined. I'm also a big fan of Trey Gowdy. I've become a big fan of Trey Gowdy and Steve Hilton. Trey Gowdy is my lead-in. Steve Hilton is the show after mine. I think it's a very strong lineup, quite frankly. And we do crush the other cable channels. Um, so I wanted to make you aware of that. And I wanted to thank you. I know you can do other things on Sunday. That's why I ask you to please... Please DVR the program. I know Sunday Night Football starts at 8.15 p.m. right in the teeth of my show. And yet, thanks to you, we still are number one. On Sunday night, on prime time. 
And I know there are specials that go against it. But we are still there. And we work very hard to try and make the show as substantive, compelling, and entertaining as positive. And you can tell. I do the long-form interviews. I don't interrupt the guests. I don't have a conga line of guests. It just makes me dizzy, and I don't think we learn a hell of a lot. But the questions I ask, I ask for a reason. The guests I have, I have for a reason. So we come up with new guests. We come up with individuals who you're quite familiar with but haven't been on the program for three, four, five months. And we give them an opportunity to speak. They're not on a panel. They're not in a hurry. And I want them to take the time to speak. Because you hear me three hours a day, five days a week. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Merry Christmas. Now the Netanyahu government is forming, as they must do over there in Israel, the various parties... Uh, ran on a platform, this coalition of the right, they call it. You have Likud, which is the biggest party in Israel. And you have some other parties, including some Zionist parties, some religious parties. Some of them don't have a lot of disagreement among them, or they're one or two issue parties. And so they coalesce together. You need to get to 61, because their parliament, their Knesset, has 120 members. So you need to get to 61. Well, they got to 64. Now, believe it or not, that's considered somewhat of a landslide in Israel these days. The prior government, well, they got to a majority. You know how they got to a majority? For the first time in the history of Israel, they invited the Arab parties into their coalition. Now, some of you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the Arab parties do not believe in the existence of the state of Israel. I'd say there's something wrong with that. 
So in order for the leftists and the liberals to take control of the government in Israel, their coalition literally included members of the Knesset, of their parliament, that opposes the existence of their parliament and opposes the existence of the Jewish state of Israel. Now here in the United States, you saw no complaints about that from the reformed Jewish groups. They didn't object. You saw no complaints from the liberal secular Jews. They didn't object. And of course, you didn't see any concerns about J Street, groups like that, and other anti-Jewish, anti-Israel organizations. And those exist, shockingly enough. They had no problem with it. None of them. None of them. They have no problem with Joe Biden turning on your taxpayer money spigot to give it to the Palestinian Authority which in turn uses a significant amount of that money to subsidize terrorists. The more Jews that they kill, the bigger their pensions and the pensions for their families. So in other words, they encourage it. Donald Trump had cut that off. Cut it off. Joe Biden turned it back on. It's called the Taylor Force Act, and I've told you before, Taylor Force was an American who went to West Point. He was a veteran. And in an act of terrorism in Israel, he was murdered. He was killed. And the Taylor Force Act was pushed hard by Ted Cruz and others, and it was passed, and Donald Trump pushed it, and he signed it. Joe Biden has completely sidetracked it and ignored it. So what are all these people whining about? The reformed Jewish groups, the liberal secular Jews, the self-hating anti-Jews. What are they whining about? And they're writing in, of course, the Jerusalem Post and Haaretz and even in the United States. They're very upset about this crazy government that Benjamin Netanyahu's putting together with parties that actually support the indigenous nature of the Jews in Judea and Samaria. Oh, why is that so bad? It's not. With parties that actually support the existence of the state of Israel. What's so bad about that? Nothing. With individuals who believe that the Supreme Court in particular in Israel has become a tyrannical court, which it has, and they want to introduce more, how should I say, responsibility in the judicial process. What's wrong with that? Nothing. And in the case of Netanyahu, he will not tolerate a nuclearized Iran. What's wrong with that? Nothing. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, the reformed Jewish groups, the liberal secularist Jews, and the anti-Jew Jews, they liked the prior government. The self-hating, self-destructive, liberal government under Lapid and before him Bennett, who was a complete Benedict Arnold, a complete fraud who ran to the right of Netanyahu and then 
shifted heavily left because he wanted to be prime minister for a day. And that's pretty much what he got. And he only had five members of the Knesset. That's never been done in the history of Israel, the short history of Israel. So in other words, these are Netanyahu haters. These are people who hate Orthodox Jews. These are people who hate Jews who live in Judea and Samaria as as indigenous Jews. These are people who hate the very essence of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. This is why several years ago I announced here, whenever it was, that having gone to Reform Synagogue in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, a very nice synagogue, Knesset Israel, but having seen how the Reform Jewish organizations conduct themselves and most of their rabbis conduct themselves, they are nothing but leftists. And that's what they promote. And that's what they teach. They're Democrats. Big D, not little D, big D Democrats. The liberal secular Jews, they're Democrats. That's their faith. That's the religion, as my wife likes to say. And the anti-Jew Jews, like J Street and the others, who give aid and comfort to the Palestinian terrorists, among others, They're utterly useless. And so they've all come together, you see, to condemn the, what will be the new government in Israel. Now, the funny thing is, the Biden administration has been working behind the scenes, in the shadows, to try and influence the, this government, the formation of this government by objecting there's certain individuals who want to defend and acknowledge the indigenous nature of Judea and Samaria. Or who are hardliners when it comes to defending the state of Israel. The Biden administration is trying to prevent these specific individuals from being cabinet ministers or having significant power in a new Netanyahu government. They didn't try to prevent the Arab parties that want the dissolution of the state of Israel. And of course, they're subsidizing, as I said, believe it or not, Palestinian terrorism. And they also want to create a Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem is the capital of the state of Israel. That would be like some group within the United States demanding that that they, that, or, or excuse me, a foreign government having a consulate in Washington, D.C. or a foreign entity having a consulate in Washington, D.C. when the government where that entity is based has an embassy in Washington, D.C. The Reformed Jewish groups, the liberal secular Jews, and the anti-Jew Jews, the self-haters, have no problem with that. So why am I bringing all this up, since most of you aren't Jewish? Because it's in the media everywhere. Because the voices of those 
who despise America tend to be the same voices of those who despise the state of Israel. The voices of those who despise conservatism in America despise conservatism in Israel. Most of these people don't even comprehend or do not care that the West Bank is not the West Bank. The West Bank of Jordan? Are you kidding me? Jordan grabbed Judea and Samaria during Israel's war for independence. Why is it that the left in this country and the media in this country, one and the same, are concerned about the indigenous peoples in the United States, as we all should be, but reject the notion of the indigenous peoples in Judea and Samaria? It's not the Palestinians. In fact, they're not even historically called Palestinians. They're Arabs. They're Bedouins. But they know how to play the media in America. So this is going on here in this country. It's going on in Israel. And the media in Israel is actually worse than the media in the United States. It's hard to believe. But there is no Fox News in Israel except to the extent to which they get Fox News in America in Israel on cable. There's no conservative talk radio per se. There are conservative podcasters. Like I said, there's no conservative Fox News. None of it. It's almost all lefty, except for one weekly newspaper. It's pretty much it. And yet Netanyahu manages to win anyway. So here we had a fair and square election. The last election was not. They basically hijacked the government by bringing the Arabs in. And the Arabs, these are Arab parties that don't even believe in the state of Israel. Tell me, what other country does that? We do that. Democrat Party doesn't believe in America. And yet there they are. And so they're trying to destroy this incoming administration even before it has solidified its various parts. And they're going to go after their agenda because Netanyahu has decided that the judiciary in Israel, particularly the Supreme Court, and he's 100% correct, is completely out of control. The justices have a major role in appointing the justices. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? They have the major role in appointing the justices. Their lawyers, their bar association has the major role in the lower courts. They have no constitution. They have what's called a basic law, which means these judges and justices just rewrite the so-called basic law at will. And of course, it's always pushing the left agenda. Always, always, always. So it's not really a representative government. It's not really a democracy as parliament as parliamentary systems go. In many ways, it's a judicial tyranny. And so this new government wants to put an end to it. Anyway, I wanted you to know some background about what's going on and the influence of the left in this country as they try to exercise their influence in that country. The same ideology pretty much the same mindset, the same actors. And I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Have a very Merry Christmas. The quality of our candidates, they say. Blake Masters has a significant education. Blake Masters was extremely successful as a businessman. He was a quality candidate, wasn't he? Mehmet Oz, extraordinarily successful businessman, doctor in his own right, a television personality, the quality of a candidate. He was much more qualified than Fetterman. He was a quality candidate. I'm pushing back. Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner, businessman, philanthropist, spent a lot of time with people to try and help them and support them, running against a Marxist. Despite what they say about Herschel Walker, he was a quality person. Those are three quality people who were quality candidates. And all three of them almost won. Now, the fact is, Arizona's a purple state, Georgia's now a purple state, and Pennsylvania's a purple state. And in the case of two of those candidates in Arizona and Georgia, Walker's running against an incumbent, and Blake Masters is running against an incumbent. It's very difficult. And Blake Masters didn't receive a funny a funny, a penny from the McConnell group. And Oz was running against a media that was trying to destroy him and an enormous amount of money that was spent against him. So why is it that we accept the line that they put out in Washington and in the media and by McConnell that these were poor candidates? I have to think they were very good candidates in very, very difficult races in very difficult states. These weren't red states, which were shoo-ins. Take a look at New Hampshire, Bolduck. Again, running against an incumbent. New Hampshire is now a purple state. And he trashes Bolduck, a retired general, a good candidate, four very good men. And yet the Washington media, even the so-called conservative media, the pseudo-media, and their think tank types, many of whom worked in the Bush administration and so forth, we need quality candidates, we need quality candidates. What they mean is we need McConnell candidates. Yeah, McConnell candidates don't win. Didn't win in Arizona. He had two of them run in Georgia. They both lost. Think about this. They're losers. But those four candidates were quality candidates. Running in purple states. Three out of the four running against incumbents. Incumbents. 
That's not so easy to do. And yet this whole thing has been spun and turned into a pretzel. It really has. And so that's why I keep pushing back. So I think these things through and you have to unravel the static and the propaganda. It's just repeated over and over and over again. All right, we have more. Gee whiz, we're only down to a half hour left here. I'll be right back. This is Mark Levin wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Now back to the best of me. You know, I I want to talk to you about something. A little bit deep. It's hour three, so we have fewer listeners in hour three than we do in one and two. It's the nature of a three-hour radio show. So those of you who are listening right now, you really want to be here. You know, life is an interesting thing. It's a funny thing. It's a complicated thing. People ask me, what do I do for a hobby? I think. I write notes to myself. Something interests me. I dig in the background of a person. I'm not talking about actors and entertainers. No, no, no. Philosophers. Statesmen of the past. Ancient history, modern history, world history, American history. Nobody escapes this planet. Alive. Nobody. Some people have it all figured out. They know where they go. And I think that's fantastic. Some people, maybe a lot, do not. Either way, when you think about the long length of time that this planet has been in existence, the universe even longer, and then you start to think that there are infinite numbers of universes. In many ways, it's beyond our conception. We have our own lives, our own daily practices, if you will, and habits and work and family and so forth. And of course, we have to be focused on that if we're going to succeed, if we're going to survive. But I'm sure on a clear night, you look up at the sky, see the stars, see the moon, And you think about it. Where does it end? It doesn't end. How's that possible? We don't know. Billions and billions of years. Most of us will live into our 80s, maybe 90s, some people 100. Some people a lot less. We're here for such a short period of time. A short period of time. How do we contribute to our fellow man? How do we contribute to our society? 
how do we contribute to our family? Can you name five generations back, Mr. Producer, your great, 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 great grandfather? Can you name your great, 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 great grandmother, of which you would have several? Neither can I. It's really not that long ago. And yet even your flesh and blood, it's as if they never existed. We're curious about it. You know, we sign up for those various programs and so forth to check our DNA. What's our background? What's our history? We are desperate to know, many of us. But a lot of us really aren't sure. Or you get big results. Or, like me, you're kind of a mutt. You've got all kinds of things in your background. Why are we here? And why are we here for such a short period of time? And when we're gone, we go to heaven? Or we go to hell? I've never really shared this with you in the audience here, but I'm going to. Near the very end, I think the day before he effectively lost consciousness and went into hospice, my father said to me, because he so loved my mother for 68 years, and I told this to some of the staff today at the TV studio, he said, Eyes half open, very soft voice. How will I find your mother? I said, what do you mean, Dad? We never had this discussion before. He said, billions and billions of people in heaven, how will I find your mother? Some of you know. I don't know. Some of you think you know. I don't know. How will I find your mother? Who passed away four months later, almost to the day of liver cancer. And cancer had racked my father's body. He was in so much pain. Broke his shoulder, broke a rib. Just trying to move. I said to him, Dad, do you want to keep fighting? He said, no. I'm done. I can't get out of your bed, out of my bed. I can't see your mother anymore. She was at home. He was in the hospital. I can't even kiss her. I'm done. Ninety-three. And then he said, please come here. And I went over to him. <clears throat> and he kissed my hand. Life is uh, very complicated. 
life has its happy times and it has its excruciating, painful times. And you've all been through it all. I often wonder. I often wonder how parents can handle the death of a child. The death of a toddler. Cancer, some rare disease, or hit by a car, some horrible accident, or, or murder, or whatever it is. How do you survive that? And so it's something to keep in mind, particularly now, when we get into these religious holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, the end of the year. So when I'm done this program, what I typically do is go to a table where I have piles of books, and I start reading for the project I'm working on. Sometimes I can't sleep. I'll get up at 3 and 4 in the morning and go back to the table and do the same thing. Sometimes I'll get a mental block and leave that table. But always hanging over me and maybe over you. What's all of this for? What's all of this about? And then pretty much I conclude... You got to live within your space. We're mere mortal human beings. Nothing bigger, nothing smaller. Do the very best you can. Don't be frivolous with your life. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be rich. Just don't be frivolous with your life. Because the clock is ticking. Don't panic. Don't be in a hurry. Enjoy life. Just don't be frivolous. And think about where you live. The greatest country on the face of the earth. And thank God. You're not in some hellhole. That you're not on the receiving end of missiles and artillery in Ukraine. That you're not a Christian living in Sudan where the Muslims are slaughtering you. That you're not a, a Uyghur in communist China. That you're in the greatest country on the face of the earth for now. For now. And those of us who know that to be the case. And want our children to live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And want our grandchildren and future generations. To share what we share. We are all that stands between them. And tyranny. The growing, obvious, aggressive tyranny in the United States of America. 
We do what we can. I consider you in this audience, especially my radio audience, part of, part of the family. I don't know most of you personally, obviously. There's 14 and a half million of you. Many of you feel you probably know me. I do my show a little differently. Very down to earth. Sometimes a little heady, sometimes a little eccentric, but that's who I am. But you can ask my family. What I enjoy the most is not TV. It's radio. Radio. Looks don't matter. Yours or mine. Got to use your brain. Got to use your imagination. Got to use your mind's eye. That's good. It's a good thing. And so there are no answers, to tell you the truth, in so much of this. Maybe faith is the answer. I think God wants you to think for yourself. God gives us free will. People could do great things. They can do evil things. They can do nothing. We're not machines. We're not robots. We're flesh and blood, God's creation. We're humans, so we are by definition imperfect. So what does Mark do on his off time? What's his hobby? Well, you just heard it. That's my hobby. You know, we're partnering with Preborn to rescue 10,000 babies from abortion. By sponsoring free ultrasounds. Right now, we're just a 2,000 babies saved. It's fantastic. It's just not enough. Remember Schindler's List? You ever see that movie, Mr. Producer? Remember at the end, Schindler holds up a pin off his lapel. And he's crying. Despite all he did. Put his life on the line to save Jews. His factory workers. Remember what he said when he held up that pin? This pin could have saved more Jews. And he starts crying. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Have a very Merry Christmas. What is it like to be Joy Reid every day, to be full of hate against your fellow man, to be full of bigotry and racism every single day? What is that all about? And yet this is the nature of the left. Her new enemy, of course, is Elon Musk. Just every day to be grinding your teeth, filled with hate and animosity. She says it's a hellscape or anything goes. She would know with the old Twitter and so forth. Her old posts, racist, bigoted, homophobic, anti-Semitic. The poor woman needs help, but she'll never get it. 
because she is celebrated for all those things. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. As you know, we, we cover awful lots of stuff here. Some current events, some much deeper. And I am blessed to have you there. Trust me, I know it. Have a wonderful evening.